Hi, everyone, and welcome to the From the Hack podcast. My guest this week is Sportsnet trolling analyst Mike Harris, who is not only an Olympic silver medalist, but a CPGA golf professional who covered golf at the 2016 Olympics in Rio and is scheduled to cover golf again at the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Mike joined me to discuss some of the recent lineup changes in curling. We also discuss Curling Canada's birthright rule, and we also talk a little golf. So before we get started, if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at Grand Slams at the World Championships and at Nationals in Canada and the U.S., well, the answer is provided by Jedi's, whose in-ice graphics from easy and textile logos to the world-famous Jedi's Full House product are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much-needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and textile logos are the industry standard for high-quality logos and are a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable full houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high-profile events. Jedi's. They bring ice to life. So before we get to my interview with Mike Harris, I wanted to remind everyone to stay safe and to listen to what your local, provincial, and federal health officials are saying in efforts to combat the coronavirus. Like many in our audience, I was at the Briar a few weeks ago, surrounded by a few thousand people each day, and although there have been no reports of positive tests specific to the Briar so far, the possibility that I have the virus and simply not experiencing any symptoms has crossed my mind almost every day since I came home. All that to say, stay safe, everyone. Now, on to my interview with Mike Harris. So, Mike, um, thanks for joining us this morning. It's uh, been a, a, a bit of a weird week, uh, a couple of weeks here in Canada and around the world. Uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't start by asking you how you're doing and how your family doing, and is everybody back in Canada? <laughs> yeah, we're all good. I was over in Switzerland coaching uh, Irene Shorey's team, and then uh, my my eldest daughter came over for reading week. And, yeah, we had a great time, got home. It's funny, you know, we're watching all this stuff going on from the World Health Organization. We end up going to the uh, United Nations building in in Geneva and and we're right next door to the WHO so it was I was just chatting I had to go pick her up from university uh, yesterday actually on and uh, we were chatting so remember when we drove by the WHO all these press conferences are coming out of there and uh, yeah it was you know it's kind of surreal now to think that we were right there and uh, how how active those buildings are now considering you know even just three weeks ago there was uh, very little talk of uh, all of what's going on around the world. So I mean, as if to uh, as if on cue, because everybody was uh, super focused on uh, on what was happening with the coronavirus, et cetera. Uh, the curling world decided yeah. to give us to give us a change of pace. For those of us that follow the curling world, all of a sudden, uh, a bunch of team changes, including a few that I think, you know, people will tell you oh, I saw saw coming from a mile away, but but most of us will say we were surprised by the timing of it. So let's start with uh, with Team Holman, of course, who. Um, who let go of uh, of Lisa Weagle? They parted ways with Lisa Weagle and uh, and recruited uh, Sarah Wilkes of uh, of Team Carey, uh, who won the uh, the the Scotties just uh, just a year ago. So I'm just wondering, uh, you know, what's your first take on that change, and uh, and what kind of new dynamic do you think Sarah Wilkes will bring the team home in? 
Yeah, I was. Uh, that was the one that caught me off guard. Um, was Holman, you know, uh, cutting Lisa? That's uh, you know, how do you <laughs> you cut uh, you know, arguably the best lead in the world? You know, if they're her or Dawn or you know, one and two sort of thing. And and uh, you know, it's it's obviously big shoes to fill. Um, and then of course you say the domino started to fall with uh, with Sarah Wilkes leaving Chelsea, and that immediately thought kind of went well. That that makes sense because they'll pick up they'll pick up Sarah now. Um, that was, and, and, and putting her at second as well, which I think is a, is a good move. Um, she's, I, I think people will really start to appreciate how good Sarah is, uh, when they see her play with, with Rachel. I, I know there's quite a few uh, comments on Twitter, you know, Joanne's kind of the natural position at second and all of that, which is, which is, uh, potentially true, you know, certainly great sweeper and great front ender, but I think she can make that tr- transition down the lead. And I think people will be, su- I don't know if surprised is the right word, because she's obviously won a Scotty's won a Canadian mix title already. Sarah has, uh, but, uh, she's, she's an excellent player and uh, I think that she'll fit in really well. Um, you know, and so one of those things you obviously, you obviously feel bad for the person left out of the mix and that in that case, that's Lisa. And, uh, you know, I, I anticipate she'll get picked up or be asked to play by, you know, several other people because she's, she's that good. Um, but you know, it's tough when you're, you're, you know, you're on one of the, you know, three top teams in Canada. It's, uh, anywhere she goes, will feel like I'm sure, uh, an uphill, an uphill battle. Now, a little bit earlier, you uh, mentioned about the dominoes starting to fall, which is typically what happens when a team like uh, Team Homan uh, reaches out and, and recruits another player. Um, the, in this case, it was uh, Chelsea's carry, Chelsea Carey's team who uh, who lost the, their third in, in Sarah Wilkes. Right. And then, uh, you know, we got a message on social media saying news to come, and everybody expected a new third to be announced. But then what happens is that we find out that Dana Ferguson and Rochelle Brown have also let uh, left the team. I'm not sure what will happen moving forward, of course, as Chelsea has made no formal announcement other than her competitive fire still burns. However, next season, Chelsea would be playing with her sixth third in eight seasons, including players with different temperaments. What type of player do you think might complement Chelsea Carey the best and provide her with some team stability for more than a season or two? I don't know exactly. You know, I mean, you think you talk about uh, Dane and Rochelle leaving. Um, they, they're, you know, it's kind of one of those vagaries where, I I'm 99% sure they'll they've they've already come up with a new team. They're on it. They're on another team already, and they just haven't announced it yet. So I think this was a situation where uh, once Sarah left, um, you know, the reigning Canadian, well, you know, recently <laughs> uh, un, uncrowned Canadian champions. It's it's unusual to have a change like that. But I think uh, you're going to see those two end up on a on a team. I think Kelsey Rock is kind of the the rumor that I'm hearing right now. Um, looking for two players, so I do the math two and two live nearby. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. Chelsea, in my experience, I mean, I, I just seem to think she's pretty good teammate. So, certainly says a lot of the right things, um, uh, in interviews. Um, people who've played against her that I've spoken to say she's tough to pl- tough opponent to play against, and and I, I use that in a in the vaguest sense because not having experienced it myself, but uh, you know, she's got she's. <laughs> pretty short list of two-time Canadian champion skips out there. You know what I mean? It's so I think she's super talented and, and obviously uh, when she gets going is, is extremely good and seems to play really well under pressure. You know, the, in that Scotty's final, when they were down, like I've never really seen anyone calmer, you know, and, you know, understanding what they need to do and, and uh, certainly calls the right shots at the right time. So I think she's, that's, I, I don't know if it's just kind of a miss <laughs> bad luck or, 
what it happens to be with finding the right third, the right fit for her. But, uh, you know, I think everyone thought Sarah would be that person, at least for this cycle anyway. But, uh, you know, when you look at Sarah's options and you go, you know, Rachel Holman calls and says, do you want to come join, you know, one of the top three teams in the world? I think um, that started the dominoes falling. I don't know that uh, this one entirely was, was, was something that Chelsea could have, could have uh, prevented. So uh, I, I'm, you know, again, same thing. Like there's a, there's a, there's a good starting team isn't Lisa and Chelsea and pick up two players. Like I think that that team immediately would have uh, some success and, and certainly be, uh, you know, immediately top 10 in, in the country. Um, so you just got to figure out, uh, Chelsea just has to figure out where she wants to go from here. And, um, you know, they say maybe playing third for someone might be a good option, but again, pretty short list of skips who, who would bring more to the table than Chelsea does. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is there. I mean, there's, there are some, uh, people over the year who just seemed to over the years who seemed to go through teammates and, uh, yeah. And in other cases, you know, it's just some, you know, people stick with for, for a long time and yeah, we'll see, we'll see where, where she ends up, but, uh, Whoever she ends up with, I'm sure will be a pretty good, a pretty good team. Tim, I wanted to touch on you. Give me a good segue. A minute ago, we want, I wanted to talk about Kelsey Rock, uh, who uh, who let go or, or who parted with her front end uh, about uh, uh, six hours before uh, Dana Ferguson and Rochelle Brown um, uh, announced that they were leaving Chelsea Carey or vice versa. So yeah. people have done the math really, really quickly. It seems like a good fit. They're all from the same province. Uh, to your point, probably just hasn't been announced yet. Uh, so do you think that brings uh, Kelsey uh, to the next level? She's been, she was good last year uh, or, or this, this past season, but just kind of couldn't win the games against necessarily the top teams. Do you think that uh, if she does add Dana and, and, and Rochelle, and we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but let's take for, let's assume that they're joining her team. Uh, do you think that kind of uh, propels her a little bit over that hump? Well, again, more experience, right? So you bring in, you bring in an experienced team. Sure. I, I mean, the, the Kelsey's, biggest challenge is that she's still young and still getting and you know, that's the bad news good news is she's getting better every time i watch her play and and um you know they 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 got outplayed pretty badly in the alberta ladies final when i watched that uh you know um so i think you know they're they're one game away from getting to the scotties this year uh so this yeah if, if they do make that change and we're, we're we're making an assumption here but i certainly i think certainly uh Dane and Rochelle would 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 certainly add some experience to, to the mix for her, and and yeah, it's going to help definitely. So I think Kelsey over, you know, I think I don't think this Olympic cycle is going to be the one that she uh, scares anyone, but it's I think the next one um, is where she will start to excel and shine. She's kind of got that it factor, right? You know, winning World University Games, couple World Juniors, and you know she's an up and coming uh, star in our sport and. Um, She's, she's, yeah, she's a great player. So I anticipate she'll just keep getting better over the next few years, regardless of who she ends up uh, curling with this year. Now, uh, another team that uh, made some changes uh, that had been to the last couple of Scotties, in fact, uh, won the bronze medal uh, uh, two years ago um, in, um, in Sydney, Nova Scotia, and, and played decent in, uh, in, in uh, Moose Jaw, but disappointed a little bit by, by not uh, reaching the playoffs, his team, Silver Nagel. Now, Steph Lawton uh, decided to take a step back uh, from the sports for a while, which, uh, yeah. uh, which may have surprised some people, but she'd already taken a bit of a step back a couple of years ago before sure. coming, uh, joining with, uh, with a team 
Keen Silvernagel. Now, Robin has added uh, Kristen Streifel and Dana Demers. Now, people may not remember Kristen Streifel, those that don't pay close attention to uh, junior and uh, university curling. Uh, but Kristen comes with a pretty good resume. Um, how difficult would it, will it be for, for someone that young who, who's a good curler, but still very young, kind of in the age group of a Kelsey Rock, uh, to, to step in the shoes of a veteran like uh, Steph Lawton, who filled a very important role with uh, Robin Silvernagel, basically to make sure that things didn't get too complicated for Robin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that team evolves. I think, uh, as you as you say, Steph's impact Steph's impact was immediate. Um, just kind of you know bringing that that uh, veteran voice to to uh, you know a, a less experienced skip. Um, so you know, I think, but you know the. But now, now she's two years further along. Uh, Silvernagel is so she's had that experience with Steph. So um, hopefully, she can continue. Uh, you know, learning what she learned with with uh, Steph won't be forgotten. <laughs> hopefully, and and we'll see how they do. But uh, yeah, they've got they've got a bit of work to do. And you know, I, they're one of the teams that are kind of on the fringe. I, I call fringe like top ten in the world. Um, you know, to to the big the big challenge is consistency uh, to get into that top top uh, five, top six conversation. Um, you know, let's say with the Holmans, Jones, Anderson, and and Hasselborg and Tiranzonis of the world, you know, they're, they're the main difference. You can beat them once in a while, but the question is consistency. And, and um, but, you know, teams that are, are fairly youthful uh, always, like I said, they continue to improve. So you just have to, uh, we'll see where it goes. Um, I, I certainly, the talent is there and uh, they just, they're just going to have to do a bit of work and, and, uh, you know, it's a it's a bit of a grind to kind of get into that uh, regular top ten, top fifteen in the world. So you're in all the slams and and getting that that valuable experience. So I'm looking forward to see uh, see how they do. Now um, I want to switch to the men's side a little bit. Uh, a move that surprised uh, quite a bit of people. I mean, some of us had, had heard rumblings, I guess, if you want to call it that, ahead of time. But uh, uh, Team Cooey uh, uh, replacing uh, uh, Colton Flash with uh, with somebody that uh, that Canadian curling fans will know very, very well in in, the, in Johnny Mo, uh, John Morris, who's a two time uh, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, uh, what do you think about that move, and uh, what does it bring to uh, to Team Cooey, both in the short term and uh, and and of course heading into the uh, the next Olympic trials? Well, I think I think uh, Cooey's team this year would have seen, uh, you know, Jacobs is the one I keep talking. I mean, Gushu won the Briar and everything, but it's Jacobs and and Epping who really uh, improved. Um, so, and then Cooey kind of got left out of the conversation for the most part. Uh, I was joking with uh, uh, one of our sports night telecasts. We covered the the provincials, and uh, you know, I mentioned that Jacobs is the favorite, and I said immediately, you know, I'm going to get a text from Ben Hebert, you know, because Cooey really wasn't part of the conversation, and and sure enough, we got we got it immediately, and and uh, so I th- I don't think that they liked. I'd say they, you know, Team Cooey didn't like the fact they were being uh, left out of the conversation, but you know, their their results this season really didn't warrant uh them being included so i think they felt like they you know staying staying stagnant wasn't uh maybe what they were hoping for um as far as the new change goes i mean my my view on colton is you know he served the role on that team that he needed to serve i mean he was you look at cooey and bj and colton all pretty laid back quiet guys and and he fit really well into that um and played pretty good you know like i said when you know everyone's kind of being hard on Colton, but I thought he played pretty damn well over the last, uh, you know, couple seasons. And, and, uh, you know, everyone, obviously everyone can, you know, you always want to play better. Um, uh, 
but you know, winning the Briar last year and and uh, making the World Final, um, obviously a big big breakthrough. And you know, BJ is such a good player on that team, and he's kind of quiet. So the one thing I would say, John, obviously massive talent. I mean, everyone knows how how good he is, how good a player he is, but also massive personality, right? So he is John is a lot on a team, and and um, playing second where he's not really in that role of uh, having a massive input in strategy. Um, I'm really interested to see how he's going to fit in the team dynamic. And no question the shot making will be there, but uh, you know, I can already see John kind of sitting in the hack and, you know, yelling down the ice. Yeah. Give me a last slice or change the shot or do I'm hoping John will, will embrace the role of second and, you know, kind of one of the, <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, they had a guy on the team on the team in Colton where he kind of was, would speak when spoken to and, and uh and you come down get called down to have an input on strategy if it the situation warranted it where i think john's much more proactive um so I, it's going to be an interesting blend the good news is he's already played with kevin cooey and ben for a um, good portion of his career you know people may forget that he lost the uh the trial semifinals way back when gushu went in in 05 cooey and morris were on that team together so um at back end so they're they're you know they have experience together uh i'm just interested to see where <laughs> john fits in on the team dynamic i think uh obviously talent is I mean, john's to me is one of the best players to ever play the game and like this huge curling iq and a great leader right so he's the type of guy that likes taking control so i'm interested to see where he fits on the team team dynamic and uh you think they're I, they're as good at least, and the, but you know that that's going to be the uh, the key factor there for me. So I'm going to bring up another team now, Mike. That uh, is not uh, is not tier one. Uh, it's more of a tier two team, uh, but that uh, raised a lot of eyebrows over the last couple of days. At least raised my eyebrows because it speaks to a a larger issue. I think that people have had difficulty with over the uh, the last uh, season or so, and that's the birthright rule. Uh, the announcement that Aaron Sluchinski is going to skip a team out of Newfoundland and Labrador uh, next year with Don Bartlett uh, of yeah. uh, Kevin of Team Kevin Martin fame uh, as their lead, uh, mostly because three of the players were born in Newfoundland and Labrador. I, right. I don't know uh, how long it's been since Don Bartlett has played uh, or curled out of out of Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, he's never been Forever. on the show, so I've never asked him the question. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I don't want to belabor this because I think it's an ongoing issue. I think it's it's a it's a rule that was made to address. Um, you know, a, a growing concern in, in the country. Uh, and, and sometimes the rules you make that are well-meaning create other situations and the other situation that it's created now is that you've got uh, individuals who who were born in certain provinces haven't lived there for most of their lives are going back because they see an opportunity of potentially qualifying for the scotties or the briar in this case right. with team gushu uh winning the briar this year they become team canada so newfoundland and labrador is basically a, an open event next year with just about you know any team entered having a at least a, a chance of of uh qualifying for the scotties so uh, I mean, you've been you've been vocal on this in the past, but just to reiterate a little bit, you know what? And, and I get the guys for doing it. I mean, the, the rules are there; they're not breaking any rules. They're 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 going by right. by what's written in in the uh, curling Canada policy. Right. So, so that's the problem. My concern the, is, yeah, the rules written. The ahead. rule is written in. The rule is written incorrectly. The intent of the rule is that if you have played out of a province for even one year, call it one year, for for argument's sake. 
if you've represented that province at the Briar or Scotties and you get transferred out of the province and your team wants to stick together, you should be able to continue to play with that team. And this is my opinion, in, in perpetuity until you decide to play in that new province, whatever that happens to be. So whether you're born there or not has no bearing on the intent of the rule. And, and we always go back to uh, Rachel Holman and Jennifer Jones are the two people. And I, I, I know Jennifer might take a little bit of an issue with this. And in fact, she texted me about this. Uh, I, I sent something out on Twitter a little while ago about it. But, you know, the fact that Jennifer Jones now lives in Ontario should in no way influence whether or not she should be able to play out of Manitoba. Same with Rachel. There's no way should, should it influence that the fact that she should be able to play out of Ontario. My point is, if you've lived in that other province, so Sarah Wilkes is a perfect example of this. They're going, you know, the team homes already announced that they're going to be playing out of Ontario. Sarah Wilkes, born in Toronto, if she had played out of Ontario for the last number of years with the same team, continued to play out of Ontario, I have no issue with her still playing out of Ontario, even though she lives in, in Edmonton, except the fact that she's played in the Alberta Playdowns. So if they just write the rules to read, you can continue to play with the team you've played with last season as long as you fit into the as uh, long as you accommodated the rules that were in place so the one import rule for example you lived in the province you have one import if that team is is legal for the first season you should be able to continue to play with that team in perpetuity until you just you decide to play somewhere else in another province even if you move whatever it happens to be the birthright where you were born has nothing to do with it you know rachel holman if she was born across the river in hull you know two minutes from ottawa she should still be allowed to play in Ontario. Nothing to do with where she was born. Same with Jen. If Jen was born in Saskatchewan and moved to Winnipeg when she was two years old and played out of Manitoba her entire career, why should we prevent her from playing out of Manitoba? That the intent isn't a birthright rule. The intent is the intent of the rule is to um, allow people who grew up in a certain area, who played all of their lives in this certain area to continue to play out of there, even when they've moved away or get transferred for work or wherever it happens to be, or marriage or whatever, whatever reason you end up moving away. So I think you just have to be really, I think they just need to rewrite the rule. You know, the fact that three people who live in Edmonton are now going to be playing out of Ontario in Team Holman's case. <laughs> and then we've got Sluchinski's team who are going to be playing out of Newfoundland, or you've got Brian Cochran playing out of PEI, legally, all of it legal is not the intent of the rule. So curling Canada just needs to take a good look at the, at the wording, the verbiage they've used, and change it. There's, it's because it's causing, it's causing way too much controversy. Or the other option is just take all the rules out and let people play wherever they want. <laughs> that's, the, that's the other option. So um, Because you know, at the end of the day, really what you want is your Olympic team to be the one. I think everyone's kind of gearing up for the, Olympic, the Olympics in a couple of years. So they really want the best team to, to have that opportunity to go to the Olympics. So then just open it up. And, uh, you know, they'll have to just change and take a look at the, the dynamics of what's going on because it's not working the way it is. And, and I don't think there are any curlers who, I mean, I talked to Brian, uh, excuse me, Brian, Brian McCauley, and Ian McCauley and Brian Cochran. And uh, I have no issue with them playing out of PI because it, it accommodates the rule. But I think even they would say it's not quite right. <laughs> so, so I think we just need to, I think the curling candidates need to, to change the rules. That's all. 
If you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline. They offer premium curling equipment that is a choice of the world's top curlers. Whether it's the U.S. Olympic gold medalist, Team Schuster, or women's Olympic gold medalist, Sweden's Team Hasselberg. Or how about the top Canadian teams, Briar Champs, Team Cooey, Team Gushu, Team Jacobs, Team Carruthers, and world champions, Team Adine and Team Tiranzoni. Hardline's new composite broom, the Hybrid Helium, is the lightest composite broom on the market, and it's perfect for beginners. Hardline also offers a full range of equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel, and the Pro Slide Delivery Aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit their website at www.hardlinecurling.com and join the revolution. So, Mike, I think it's only natural that Team Anderson and Team Gushu will have been a little disappointed by the cancellation of the World Curling Championships, but I'm, I'm assuming it didn't take them long to get over that disappointment when uh, it became clear the seriousness of the coronavirus and the impact that the uh, virus was going to have uh, both in Canada and around the world. The, the scale of what's going on right now really overshadows any, any disappointment <laughs> that you should have. Uh, you know, Carrie and Val, our parents... <laughs> They understand how important this is for for their kids, and and um, you know, same with same with uh, Brad. Brad's Brad's got kids, and Mark as well, and and they'll they get it. They, they're, they're, I don't think there's any going to be. Yes, they'll be disappointed. I don't think gonna, I don't think they're going to need a sports psychologist to get over it. <laughs> to be fair, I think uh, there's certainly some some challenges the World Curling Federation's facing because uh, valuable Olympic points are up for grabs. Um, at the worlds and you know how they're going to determine who gets to go to the olympics is is was very important so for for the canadian curling association or curling canada and and the other national sports bodies around the world um you know the world's is a big deal to to get their olympic points so i think you you know the world curling federation has has uh has figured out how to address that um you know i, I just think of uh, i was over in switzerland i think of elena stern and schwaller who from switzerland who've never been to the world's either and they're they're uh those two teams are you know they're they they don't get the same deal to go right back <laughs> the next year they're certainly not gonna be wearing the swiss colors anywhere you know what i mean at least like i said gushu and, and anderson will kind of have that team canada um with them for the next the next uh, 12 months so anyway i think i think world Curling federation will address it somehow i it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me to see some sort of event run in the fall uh for the world teams to to determine uh those olympic points because they they need to do something they can't have just one year's worth of uh results end up being uh, you know t sending a team to the olympics so um we'll, we'll see how that goes but uh, i i think i think anderson and brad uh gushu's team will certainly have a pretty good perspective on things and i i don't think it'll take away from from their accomplishments uh of winning that national title Perfect. Uh, very well said. Uh, so now let's pivot a little bit, Mike. Uh, you were talking about uh, other sports having to deal with, uh, you know, with uh, the impacts of uh, of the um, of the coronavirus and what's going on in postponements and what else. And and, and what some people uh, in our audience may not know is that you're a, a Canadian PGA professional and uh, you've also covered um, the um, you co covered golf at the Rio Olympics and uh, yeah. and you were scheduled to cover golf at the uh, Olympics in Tokyo this summer, uh, depending on how things work out and, and in the current uh, world landscape. Uh, so I just uh, tell me a little bit about. I mean, there was a lot of talk. Let's let's just take a, a brief uh, a brief moment to go back to Rio. There was a lot of talk at that point. I mean, it was the, it was the Zika virus, I believe, at the time, uh, and uh, and a lot of top players decided not to go. Those that went had a wonderful experience. Uh, tell me a little bit about. Uh, 
uh, about that event and 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 whether whether that uh, whether the concern about uh, about Zika was uh, permeated around that event or or if once the players were there was it you know just golf as usual. Well, Zeke, and for for Rio, Zika turned out to be a non-issue. Um, and speaking with the locals, uh, you know, the big concern was it was it was. Uh, certain type of mosquito that could, could uh, transmit the disease and all that sort of stuff. And, and, you know, a number of players ended up going, of course. And, and I think yeah, they had a great international, you know, uh, mix of winners, which was great for golf worldwide. A good friend of mine, uh, Carla Piper's her name. She, she actually works, uh, she worked the last five or six Olympics at the curling venue as well. And her husband, Dave is, uh, one of the audio guys, uh, who does a lot of the, uh, national championships and some of our slams and stuff. So, uh, CBC -er and, and, uh, anyway, chatting with her, um, she was, she was working in the starter side, uh, most of the time she oversaw the whole pro project, but she was talking to a few players and, and, uh, basically they all said in Rio, this will not happen in Tokyo. Everyone's coming <laughs> because they were texting their buddies, you know, the Ricky Fowlers and Matt Kuchas were texting their buddies who, who took a pass on it and couldn't believe how, much fun it was for the and I think you know you look at uh, how much they didn't understand being in an individual sport you just don't understand the team concept I think uh, of a big Olympic team like that and I think they all I think every player there really had a great time um, so I think and and rightfully so the uh, the IOC was hopeful and and all the national sports federations were hopeful that all the countries would be sending their best players I think one player Dustin Johnson said something along the lines of the he's not interested in going but um, you know He's 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 kind of the lone wolf in this case. Uh, I think just about everyone else is is hoping to go. And uh, I personally think the IOC should just give Tiger Woods a buy right into the Olympics, <laughs> regardless if he qualifies for the team or not. But uh, anyway, golf golf's going to be a big deal if the Olympics go forward. I think uh, that's obviously the big question mark. Uh, Canadian golf's in a great spot, of course, with Brooke Henderson on the women's side, Alina Sharp playing very well. And then the men, they've got a bunch of good players with Hadwin and Corey Connors and uh, Nick Taylor just won in Pebble Beach. So um, they've got three or four really good options uh, on the men's side as well. So it's it's an exciting time for Canadian golf. I just, you know, I've it's got, it's got to be like 50-50 at best if this thing goes off right now uh, with what's going on in the world. So I'm hopeful uh, that we'll, we'll uh, I'll, I'll be able to cover golf in Tokyo, but uh um, you know, where's, where's, where's my, where's the betting money? I don't know right now at this stage, but, uh, uh, you know, regardless where we got, uh, you know, PG, I think just announced right up until mid May. Now they've canceled all their tournaments. Right. So, um, it's, it's going to be an interesting summer. Yeah, because I, now I, they've got... I was going to follow up, uh, obviously, you know, uh, we're having this conversation under the, under the umbrella of what's happening in the world. So, so obviously yeah. any decision made by the PGA to, to cancel any event, uh, LPGA makes all the sense in the world. I, we're not, but, but talk to me about, you know, uh, the impact of of um, like, like some of these events, like like the Masters, as an example. Now there's talk they may run the Masters in in December because they can't right. play that event in the summer or or in the early fall because of uh, because of I guess the the grass and the, and and all kinds of other factors. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, is that something that you're you're kind of more involved in the curling community than uh, sorry the golfing community than I am? Is that kind of something that would be embraced by people like uh, to have the Masters in in December? Should he come to that, or or do you think if things are canceled this summer, they should just take a pass on it and 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 hopefully everything is all lined up and they can play it next uh, yeah. next uh, April like you typically do? I don't know. I mean, my this I think I think, uh, and I can only speak for myself. I think what's happening right now, people are hopeful 
to reschedule or postpone or delay or whatever they want, whatever the case may be. And let wouldn't it be great if we held the Masters in this time and then the PGA at this time and then whatever. I think I think as as the seriousness of this uh, disease, hopefully it isn't too crazy. But you know, I just get the feeling that the longer this goes on, the uh, the you know the world, the global struggle with with the virus. I think people by being you know once everything gets back to normal, I think it was okay. Let's you know what, let's just scrap what what we've missed. And start fresh in 2021. And I think that that's my opinion. That's what I would like to see. I think, uh, you know, too much focus on on uh, <laughs> trying to, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, the Masters is canceled. You know what? In the big picture, I think even the golfers, you know, Jack Nicholas has come out and said, you know what? It's OK. Like, you know, we're, they're doing the right thing. You know, if you listen to Jack, you know, if Jack says it's OK, it's OK with me. So. Um, I, you know, I can't speak enough. I can't speak to it enough uh, about that sort of thing. Uh, you know, so where Bob Weeks might be helpful. He certainly got a lot more insight on, on towards the stuff than I do. But yeah, I think I think uh, I'm just hopeful that everyone is comes through everything healthy. And, you know, you know, there's there's reports. It's going to come out where there's some curlers who are who are who are ill out of this. And, you know, I, I'm you know, I was at the Briar and you were at the Briar last week. Right. And we're hoping. I'm hoping I didn't catch anything, right? <laughs> that's where I'm at. And I don't know what's going same, on. Same here. You gotta have think that's you gotta hope that you know, you gotta think that somebody there might have might have had some sort of uh, contact with someone who's got this virus. So I think everyone's kind of sitting on pins and needles right now. And I think we just have to, you know, as you say, take care of your family and make sure everyone's healthy and then uh when the dust settles here we'll we'll try to move on. But uh um I, I, I'm I'm not willing to or, or you know, I'm not. I'm not the type who's hoping that the Masters gets played in April or in in December or August or September, whatever it is. I'm, I'm happy just kind of let's move forward and and pick up where where things uh, where they where they happen. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's just hope everyone stays healthy. And that's it from the Hack Podcast for March 19th, 2020. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Frank Rock, and this is from the Hack. <laughs>